everyone and welcome to Traditionally Speaking. This time we have a subject that is very close to my heart and I'm sure Joe's as well, and that is <laughs> Christmas feasting. Any kind of feasting is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> but yes, especially at Christmas time. Oh my God, the food that comes forth at that time of year is just so incredible. And what's really amazing, Tom, is you guys go way, 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 way back, well before Christmas on this. And why don't you mention, talk about some of that as far as how some of that came about, because years has changed over the centuries. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the way that um, Christmas meals and uh, Christmas feasts have been presented over here have changed dramatically. Um, but really, the, the traditional Christmas dinner, um, as we have it now, um, probably owes its origins to the Tudors. So you have to go all the way back to the 15th and 16th century, um, when they would have all sorts of things like mince pies, roast hog, um, all of those kind of, uh, you know, really um, quite ancient dishes, um, which were used at the time uh, to mark the, you know, not just Christmas, but the 12 days of Christmas. And there would be all sorts of different party games and, uh, you know, traditions all going on at that point. Um, but really, from then, um, you had a whole sort of evolution um, of uh, how Christmas meals were consumed um, that would lead up to uh, the Victorians, um, because you would perhaps have things like a, a chicken, um, which eventually became a turkey. Um, and it was the turkey that, you know, was to sort of uh, eventually become the, the must-have um, centrepiece of your Christmas meal. Um, and, uh, of course, as a result of that, we have things like you know, the Christmas crackers. I know we mentioned that in an earlier podcast. Um, but also um, all of the different trimmings that you get with your meal, um, you know, the roast potatoes, um, and uh, obviously certain things that are quite popular over here like bread sauce and cranberry sauce um you know so these are all um you know very very well loved christmas staples um that go back decades um and in some cases centuries um as being uh, you know the, the nation's favorite kind of meal well even just you know uh as uh, we've looked at before like with clement clark moore and the night before christmas and you know um, and those years, that's when Turkey was like really coming into its own uh, at that time, uh, both in the U.S. and in the U.K. I, but you guys had been eating turkey for about a century before that, hadn't you? Yeah, I mean, really, like so many traditions, um, the Victorians uh, looked to Queen Victoria and Prince Albert um, and probably to you know King George III and Queen Charlotte before that, um, for a lot of the culinary traditions. Um, it really was people like you know Charles Dickens and uh, other Victorian um, writers that popularised uh, those kind of traditional aspects. Um, you notice, for instance, in A Christmas Carol, um, that uh, the Cratchit family are having a goose rather than um, a, a Christmas turkey. Um, so really there was a little bit of flux until these things were, were you know, fully established um but now i mean it's unthinkable to have your your christmas dinner without a turkey you'd have to be uh you know 
perhaps a lot of people, for instance, that have maybe dietary requirements or they're, they're vegans, for instance, that perhaps would prefer an alternative. Um, but by and large, you know, amongst most families, um, you know, the Christmas turkey is, uh, is sacrosanct. And, you know, I get a kick out of that because, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in the Christmas Carol, you know, the, the commoners, if you will, had the goose. Uh, and that was their basically their Christmas feast as they were able to get a goose, which was much more inexpensive than the very expensive turkey at the time. And it's funny now in the U.S., if you spend if you go out and buy a goose, you're spending probably four times the amount that you're spending for a turkey. And, <laughs> and things have completely changed around. But also in the U.S., what's what's interesting is there's so many regional areas. And depending on where you are in the U.S., you might have a very different idea of a Christmas dinner. Um, but one of the things I did want to talk about is, you know, the fact originally, um, you know, you didn't eat like roast beef or ham or that kind of thing except on Christmas Day in the U.S. And nowadays, turkey's still the star, but they have like a prime rib or roast beef or uh, or a ham on Christmas Eve. And that becomes a second huge meal, which never used to happen because when in the beginning uh, of our country, with the dominance of the Roman Catholics and not eating meat on the day before a feast day, it was more fish and seafood that you had, and you didn't eat a, a big dinner at Christmas Eve. And now Christmas Eve has become as big an event as Christmas Day, which I know for a fact you guys don't do anything like that in Scotland, do you? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, Christmas dinner, um, it, it varies for people um, on Christmas Day uh, because some people have the, the King's Speech, uh, which is always 3 p.m. Um, and it's a recorded message. Um, originally, it would go out live uh, over the radio, but now it's a recorded message that's put out on TV because um, the royal family spend Christmas at Sandringham, so they, they don't do it live anymore. Um, but uh, some people will have their dinner before three o'clock so that they can stop and watch the King's Speech. Other people will have it later in the in the day because there's usually a, a big movie um, shown by the BBC directly following the King's Speech. Um, so, you know, the, the timing can, can change, but some people prefer Boxing Day, you know, because the uh, all of the, the, the hectic action of Christmas Day is, is gone uh, and you can have a more relaxed day to enjoy your meal. So it's, it's different for different people. Then do you have a, a large meal on Boxing Day or is it more leftovers from Christmas? Well, that's <laughs> that tends to be the case more often than not. You will either have the same meal again, slightly stripped down, um, or you will have turkey sandwiches and things like that. But turkey tends to feature quite heavily for the rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's why all the turkeys are sold between Thanksgiving and Christmas and then not after that in the U.S. Because... Everybody's done with turkey for the year. <laughs> yes. But but it is interesting, again, if you go into some of the different regions. Uh, well, and one of the big things, and I talked about this, Mary and I talked about this on our Behind the Scenes with Santa Claus uh, podcast, is the fact that the um, 
Hispanics uh, do a lot with like tamales. When we came and visited and gave toys and they, they came out with a whole thing of tamales and, and different Mexican uh, dinners. And oh, I'll tell you, I, that was perfectly fine for Christmas for me too. So <laughs> I, I rather enjoyed that. But, you know, you go into the South and it's more seafood and Cajun, which is kind of geared after the Feast of Seven Fishes, which came out of Italy. Um, and that's where they basically have nothing but seafood. Again, uh, with the idea of the Roman Catholics ate fish uh, on days before feast day or very little at all. Uh, and did not have any of the fatty meats until the feast itself. So, you know, just depending on what area and what region you're at in the U.S., things are very, very different. I know, you know, when I when I was raised in, in Illinois and was up in Michigan and, and Wisconsin, entirely different meals. I mean, we, we would do, you know, big hams and uh, big roasts and that kind of on Christmas and not as much turkey. And now it's it's basically changed there too. And it's more turkey now. Yeah, isn't that the amazing thing? Because, uh, you know, it's always fascinating to consider what other cultures do at Christmas time. And there are so many different traditions. But North America and the United States particularly, it's such a vast continent. Um, as you say, someone celebrating in somewhere like Wisconsin or Nebraska uh, is probably going to have a totally different Christmas meal to someone who's living in Hawaii or uh, possibly somewhere like Alaska. So, you know, that, I always find that fascinating. Yeah, very much so. And and again, yeah, yeah, you talk about Alaska, that's basically all they do eat is fish up there. So for the most part, but but yeah, and but it is funny how Turkey has kind of taken over, not just in England and Scotland and Ireland, but US and and other countries as well, except except Japan. Mm. Japan has a very different idea of Christmas. Why don't you tell them, Tom? Because I don't think they'd believe me. <laughs> well, I think this is testament to the, the genius of American marketing. Uh, because in the 1970s, uh, there was a, a very well-publicized campaign by Kentucky Fried Chicken um, throughout Japan. Um, where they were presenting their product as an alternative Christmas meal. And I don't think anyone in that boardroom could have begun to imagine the impact that that uh, campaign would have because Kentucky Fried Chicken is now so popular in Japan that you have to book a place at a KFC restaurant oh, months ahead of time uh, in order to get there. I mean, even if you wanted to have one that you could take home, um, you, you still have to order far, far in advance because there is so much uh, demand for that product. It's and that just totally fascinates me. They eat as much KFC on Christmas Day as as I think uh, you guys eat turkey. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah, that is their Christmas feast. Is they go to KFC and they get all the fixings and the chicken and and that kind of and that just that just totally amazes me. And you're right. That's that's just the genius of American marketing that that caused that so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And of course, as we're on the subject of feasting, it's difficult to talk about Christmas and feasting without mentioning chocolate. And the the beauty of that, of course, is uh, over here, certainly for the last 10 years and possibly a bit more, um, the starting pistol for Christmas is when you start to get these large tubs of chocolates, um, which are things like Quality Street, Roses, Celebrations and Heroes, um, which are sold in supermarkets, usually at a discounted price. Um, and that tends to be your signal that it's time to start buying Christmas presents and preparing for your own Christmas meal. Um, this year, they started at the beginning of August. <laughs> You're getting as bad as we are out here. I've already seen some... Christmas wrappings and bows and that kind of thing in August. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, guess what's coming? <laughs> the thing is, though, if, if you have a sweet tooth, as I do, um, it's kind of lethal putting that amount of chocolate on display that early because you know that you're going to have eaten about three times your body's worth by the time you get to Christmas. Well, and I know we're already talking about, you know, or I should say we're seeing you know, the baking aisles expanding into the, you know, end, end caps and, and the islands in the middle of the store with all the baked goods so you can start baking cookies. And and then, and you're right. And now that you mention it, I have seen more chocolate displays popping up again. So maybe we're taking a page from you guys. Yeah. And, you know, it's always, it's always nice because uh, over here we had companies like Thornton's, for instance, that would do special Christmas chocolate boxes, um, you know, where there were very specific um, Christmas-themed flavours, um, like Christmas pudding and so forth. Um, you know, so it's quite nice to see them getting so inventive. Well, and, you know, even here, uh, you know, the large desserts, I mean, we won't even talk about the one fruitcake that gets passed around for the entire nation, but <laughs> but but... People are cutting back on some of the huge desserts and you don't see like Christmas pudding here uh, anymore or, or things on that order. But you do see lots of chocolate and it's it's nice, you know, for a, a hostess or a host gift, you know, to bring a box of chocolates or that kind of thing that everybody can partake on. Um, so, yeah, that's becoming more and more popular and certainly not that it just sprung up yesterday because it's been around for a while, but yeah, that and cookies. We we yeah. also do a lot of uh, exchange of cookies, cookie exchanges at Christmas time here. And and don't forget gingerbread as well. And well, especially gingerbread. That's one of my favorite cookies. <laughs> of course, I, I I've never met a cookie I didn't like. <laughs> oh, we are so much on the same page there. <laughs> yeah, I have to behave myself, my you know, because I gotta fit in that suit, even if it's big. So <laughs> but it is fun, and you know, if you get a chance, you should go online and look at some of the traditions in other countries. Because they're as varied as they could possibly be. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Obviously, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, seafood being the main part of Christmas feasts. And that's certainly true up in like the Scandinavian countries, but also France. Um, you know, they, they do a lot of seafood dishes 
at Christmas time versus the heavy meats or the turkeys. Yeah, I mean, Europe is an absolute patchwork of uh, different Christmas foods and confections. Um, and, you know, there are some beautiful and amazingly presented uh, foods over there. Um, you will have some traditions in places like Germany and Austria and Hungary um, that are, uh, you know, very, very popular. Um, you sometimes see them in European food markets. And then you go into Scandinavia and you'll find totally different ranges of foods. Then you go down to places like Italy and Greece and you'll find totally different things again. So all I would suggest is, you know, if you are a, a food buff uh, and you enjoy your Christmas meals, why not have a good look at what's on offer? Because you might just be surprised at uh, what people are enjoying in different countries. And trust me, if you do something different from Christmas from a turkey, nobody's going to complain too much if you do it properly. So, you know, I love trying different cultures and different uh, tastes. And in fact, God, all of a sudden I have a hankering for a turkey sandwich. Hey, Tom, let's go let that send this thing. I, I got to go eat. <laughs> well, there's nothing like a turkey sandwich at any time of the year. I'll give you that. <laughs> Especially with some avocado. No, no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> well, I've enjoyed talking about this. And I'll tell you, you know, I'd be interested in hearing from our listeners on if you've done anything different than the traditional turkey, mashed potatoes, vegetables kind of thing. Um, or... If if you do turkey, but you do unusual root vegetables or sides or, you know, something out of your uh, family's heritage that you enjoy, we'd love to hear about it. So by all means, let us know what you do for Christmas. You might even change some of our minds. And don't forget, of course, about the humble Brussels sprout, which oh. is, uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, on, on every British dinner plate, even if we don't necessarily know what to do with it. That's um, the most controversial <laughs> vegetable we have in America. You either love them or hate them. Personally, I love them. I mean, I've, I've always enjoyed them. I could never get Mary to eat them until I found a particular way of roasting them that she enjoyed. And now she'll eat them. I mean, I wouldn't say they're her favorite vegetable but it's funny most people if you mention brussels sprout they're like no thank you but what's <laughs> interesting is we even have restaurants that serve them out here now as a side dish and i think they're starting to catch on the pop it must be your uk influence over there that's that's causing this well one of my best friends um, is belgian and he went to school in antwerp and he, um, you know, is a, one of the great popularizers of the Brussels sprout because obviously it was native to Belgium originally. Um, right. And he he always maintains that the the secret, as you mentioned, is in how that you prepare them. Because part of the problem over here is that basically all of the flavors boiled out of them. Um, oh, yeah. If they're if they're prepared properly, they can be really tasty. Oh, and, a little parmesan, a little garlic. Oh yeah, I mm, I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not forget there is a tradition now of dipping them in chocolate as well so why not you know okay now that one <laughs> <laughs> i think i just dip my finger in the chocolate instead <laughs> but before we wind up this podcast it would be remiss of me not to mention as a as a true scot 
Um, we do have a reputation of deep frying just about everything. We'll deep fry Mars bars. We'll deep fry, you know, anything that, that happens to, you know, stop long enough for us to deep fry it. But believe it or not, um, in Scotland, um, not that very far from here, um, there is a fish and chip shop who will quite happily deep fry mince pies. They will deep fry pigs in blankets. Um, there are very few Christmas mainstays that they will not deep fry. So, you know, it, it just goes to show that, you know, Scotland's culinary traditions will collide with Christmas at any any given opportunity. <laughs> I can't imagine fried pigs in blankets. Oh, my God. Huh. They, are ter they are terrifyingly addictive. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, yeah. Well, it's kind of your, your, your month's worth of cholesterol in one easy serving. <laughs> Really, have a crash cart standing by because you might need it. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. That may be something that I don't think will catch on quite so quickly out here. But then again, whoever would have guessed KFC in Japan? So you know, <laughs> which is definitely fried. So, <laughs> but anyway, well, I again, I've enjoyed. You know, it's amazing looking at everything, and I think we have a lot of fun looking at the different countries and the different ways that uh, that you guys do things in Scotland, and we do things in the U.S. and and then of course you throw in a few others for seasoning, and it's it's just a lot of fun to talk about. So. But thank you for bringing this one up. I, I enjoyed that, Tom. And like I said, I'm hungry. I got to go eat something. <laughs> well, thank you, Joe, for what's been a really interesting discussion. And, you know, everyone at home, if there's anything that you uh, like to enjoy for your Christmas meals and, uh, you know, you want to let us know about it, something that little bit different from the traditional turkey dinner, just you let us know by visiting our website, www.traditionally-speaking.com Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll catch you on the next one. Ho, 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 ho.